0: Hare Krishna. I should definitely do a product placement for a crystal geyser. It's always here. Hi, my name is Vaiseshi Das. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Hare Krishna. Welcome everybody to it's kind of Silicon Valley. It's a fef- festive atmosphere here, and no wonder. This is the international side for Krishna consciousness. Krishna means bliss and happiness and it all emanates from a supreme person, the supreme person. And Krishna consciousness is simple because it's reality. And being out of alignment with reality is difficult. We can experience it from seeing the whole world and the state of the world. Yoga means to come back in alignment with reality, reality is Krishna. And Krishna is always happy and full of everything that we're looking for. That's why he's called Bhagavan. He has all opulences. So today, I'll talk about a few of the tenets of Krishna consciousness, hopefully ones that we can take with us on a very practical level. Because life moves so fast, it's helpful to have... Practical ways in which we can hold on to the practice without being swept away by our other duties. And a little bit goes a long way. No one has to move into a cave high in the Himalayas. And anyone can practice Krishna consciousness starting from the simplest level. And that's okay because it's an unlimited prospect. Just as the sky is unlimited and birds fly in the sky, some fly higher than others. But because the sky is unlimited, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Wherever you want to start, that's fine. So no one should also feel uh, self-conscious that, well, others are doing more than I am. It just so happens that in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, swalpamapya apya sadharmasya trayate mahatobhayate. If you're even, even able to do a tiny bit, he says, you'll help yourself in, in ways that are uh, beyond anything else you can do in this world, to try to arrange your life, organize it so that you feel comfortable. Has anybody ever tried to do that, or is that what you're doing a lot? It's all I do, ever, is try to get comfortable. But it never works. I've noticed that, for instance, with temperature, if I get in somebody's car and I'm too warm, I'll take off my jacket. And as soon as I do, they'll turn up the air conditioner. Then if I put my jacket back on again, then they'll turn on the heat. And that's kind of way, the way, a paradigm for the way everything goes in the material world. We're always trying to adjust, but it's not really adjustable Uh, to the point that we can find complete equilibrium in the material world. It's always changing. It's the nature of the material material world. But we can adjust internally. And that's what Krishna consciousness is about. It's about taking charge of our own lives by developing our spiritual Krishna consciousness. And that way, wherever we go, we remain centered and we remain... Aware of what's the most important aspect of life, and we also feel happiness from within So those are a few of the points that I'll talk about in a general way, and I'll give some specifics also and I'd like to point out that this is an organization that was founded by one person Srila AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada who is following a tradition of teachers who have painstakingly passed down this spiritual technology and wisdom for millennia. And they're motivated by a sense of what's called paraduka duki. As all of you know, duk means misery. And paraduka duki means that a very evolved person develops a sense of compassion, or as the phrase paradukaduki says, sense of suffering because other people are suffering. Uh, In other words, I don't feel happy if other people are, are unhappy. It's kind of the opposite of the way the material world works, or material consciousness, That is, I only feel happy when other people are unhappy. Or at least when they are unhappy, no matter what I portray externally, internally, I'm thinking, okay, that's good. This is Parasuka Duki. So Shila A C Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupāda, again, as many of the teachers have done over generations, painstakingly passed on Krishna consciousness to make sure that everyone in the world had an opportunity to recharge. Just like if you're going to have electric cars, you have have to place. Have a place to recharge them and nowadays we notice or many of you have electric cars i noticed so you probably noticed that there are stations to charge them otherwise you probably wouldn't have gotten one so we're spiritual beings and we need a place to hook in so our founder ac bhaktivedanta swami Prabhupada, knew that and he established charging stations all over the world that took a lot of work he, actually flew around the world 14 times. And that was within just a few years, uh, a little more than a decade. He took his first flight ever on an airplane from New York to San Francisco around uh, 1966. And that was the first time ever on an airplane. After that, he practically never got off an airplane. He was going to every continent except... Antarctica, and we're still waiting for a volunteer who likes penguins to go there, because penguins are people too, and they, they would like to have a little spiritual consciousness there, I'm sure. So, Srila <clears throat> A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada said that <clears throat> the secret to his success, and he was very successful, in fact, he was mentioned in a major publication as one of the most successful late bloomers That is people who after the age 65 Had had huge economic successes built enterprises and so forth. Well, he started a worldwide movement after the age of 65 and Developed it looked out, out over it. He wrote thousands of letters there was no internet at the time, kids. And there he, he also uh, made students all over the world and instilled in them the same idea, duki, of doing good for others, feeling bad when other people feel bad, and trying to help them. And that's the basis of our movement. It's a helping movement. It's a movement for outreach. It's not meant for a particular culture. Or it's not meant just for Americans or for Chinese or Russians or Indians. It's a universal teaching that transcends any country or culture. It's applicable everywhere. And therefore, anywhere you go on any of the six continents besides Antarctica, you'll find a charging station like this. Somewhere you'll find it you can look it up And you can either find a center like this, or there are individuals who will be holding regular classes, programs, events in their homes or apartments and so forth worldwide, everywhere. Even uh, right now, during the uh, (coughs) catastrophic event that's taking place in Ukraine, uh, there are thousands, tens of thousands, actually, of devotees there who are Uh, going out and feeding people right now, giving them prasadam and chanting so that uh, people who have lost their homes and their families are split apart can have some solace. So we're fortunate. We have this opportunity here in opulent Silicon Valley to congregate here, to come on a regular basis. We're open 24 hours, not in a row, but it's a, We do have our hours that everyone can come here, and Sunday is one of the best days because everyone feels compelled on Sunday to have a spiritual recharge before he or she goes back into the work work a day uh, routine. Am I correct about that? Yeah, it's very important. So one of the ways in which Srila Prabhupada started his international society and helped raise the consciousness of millions of people around the world is by a simple process called Sankirtan. So this word is two. Uh, It's a dual word, Sam and Kirtan. Kirtan uh, comes from the root word Kirti, which means to make somebody famous, to extol someone's virtues. And when we uh, extol the virtues of Bhagavan, who means the supreme person, the one from whom all other people and all other elements emanate, the source of everything, who's all-benevolent, who's omniscient, who's omnipotent, there's a natural way in which we connect with that uh, personality and all of his energies. In, In the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was an incarnation of Krishna, who appeared in West Bengal 550 years ago. He said uh, that the Supreme has unlimited names. It, it's a, he's uh, called by different people, from different angles of seeing, uh, different names. For instance, we may in English say, S-U-N, sun. And in Spanish, one would would say soul. In Hindi, one would say? Surya. And what other, uh, who else would like to contribute something from another language? Anyone from, son? Samoan? You speak Samoan? See, I can't understand anything through the mask, itself. In, no, in, in, I know sun in Samoan. Go ahead. No, in, in Tamil also, it's Suryan. So. Surya, okay. So similarly, uh, Krishna has unlimited names. And the names of the Supreme have all the same potencies as the Supreme himself. There's no difference because he's an absolute entity. So, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you should sing these names and how sing them? Sum means together. So sum kirtan means some kirtan means you come together and then sing out loud the names of the Supreme. And from that process one can derive the highest spiritual benefit. In fact, you can attain complete perfection in the spiritual practices by simply singing the names. Now you can also do it individually, and this is another process called japa. Everyone say Japa. japa. So Japa is, is a personal, prayerful expression to the Supreme. And you can use the names that uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. Uh, we use the, the mantra specifically that he received from his spiritual master, and it's called the, the Maha Mantra. It goes like this. You please repeat after me. I'll say it two words at a time. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Krishna, Krishna. Hare Hare, Hare Hare. Hare, Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama. Rama, Rama. Hare Hare. Hare, Hare. The first time I heard that mantra, it was in Berkeley, California, on Sproul Plaza, uh, University of California, Berkeley. Uh, I was too young to go to school there, but um, my parents uh, went there and there was a lot of um, Activity in Berkeley. My father had his office on Telegraph Avenue. So although I lived in Lafayette, we'd come into Berkeley a lot. And I used to hear the Samkirtan, because there'd be a group of chanters on Sproul Plaza. And when we'd drive by them in the car, I'd hear Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And there was just something about that sound vibration that really stuck in my mind. I think it planted a seed somewhere uh, in my heart. And years later, uh, when I became concerned about what was going to happen in this lifetime, around my high school days, uh, that mantra came back to me. And the the practice of chanting the mantra uh, leads to amazing destinations. In fact, the most amazing of all destinations, which is The topmost portion of the spiritual world according to the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so it's um, a mantra that anybody can chant anywhere it's portable and it awards one the highest uh, spiritual benefit so the way it goes is that someone will uh, chant it and then others will repeat and if you do it as japa then you can just say it aloud to yourself for instance It's highly recommended that when you get up in the morning, you have a plan to perform this japa meditation. Take a little time, uh, even if it's a minute, if you take one minute, 60 seconds, to just let everything else go to the side and then repeat the mantra so you can hear it like this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You gradually notice an, an envelopment. In envelopment means you become enveloped by the sound, the by vibra- the vibration itself, and. Uh, the ancient uh, scriptures that teach about this say that by staying in contact with that sound vibration, then you'll start to develop good qualities. And the, the kind of clenching that takes place, that I have to hold on to my bad habits, it starts to loosen very magically by the power of that mantra. And anyone can try that for him or herself. So these two ways of practicing this kind of uh, yoga, are to sing together in a group and also to chant individually. And one will notice the difference. And now here are a few ideas for our contemplation and improvement. Why do I live the way I do? Does anybody have an answer to that? Do you know how you live? Have you observed your living style lately? Yes? You can just live and not observe. But if you take a look at it, oftentimes we notice how we're living when other people come to see us because you clean up the house really fast, right? <laughs> then you go like, this is not how we live. This is how we live. It's like, when you come. So we have a default mode that we're all in. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains this. He says that we're working according to the, the nature we've developed. And the way he says we develop a particular nature is by association. And culture means that there's... A, a gradual process through uh, through which we progress from uh, one state to another we can transform ourselves from one state to another uh if we leave it to chance then the the tendency is uh, to uh, uh drift and uh When we drift, there's a process, there's a a phenomena in in the material world called samsara, and it's it's sometimes compared to a a whirlpool. When you get caught in a whirlpool, it's very difficult to get out. In any current, strong current of water, it's difficult to get out, and it can easily be dragged to somewhere you don't want to go. Therefore, one has to be a little deliberate in the kind of uh, culture that one takes up. So this is called sadhana. Everyone please say sadhana. sadhana. Sadhana means a practice to reach a goal. So this means that one has to be purposeful about one's life. And uh, we can upgrade the kind of lifestyle that we have now. Anybody want an upgrade? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand fast enough, let's try it again. These like these are freebies, so anybody like a life upgrade yeah go for it you get a car you get a car okay because because of conditioning by the three modes of material nature uh, we're the way we are but we can improve and this just happens to be the time to improve what time am i talking about the human span of life that we have we do have a, a determined amount of time that we get in this body by the way Just check and see that you have a body. Be aware. Don't be afraid. We're sometimes not aware that we're in a body. Check it out. out. This is government property. It's not yours. I hate to disturb everybody tonight, but it's not your property. It's not my property. It's government property. Belongs to uh, the universe. The universe belongs to someone named Ishwar who controls the universe and owns it. So it's not our property. That's good news, actually. Because if you want to keep this thing, it takes a, a, well, it takes maintenance anyway. But if you get attached to it and think, I have to keep it, you're going to be in a lot of anxiety. Therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna advises us to look at our bodies and our life situation in a slightly different way. In a radically different way, actually. And that is that it's not our body and that there's a particular lifespan we have, it's called the the ayu. Along with the birth, it's already, if you had one of those count down timers like they had for Y2K, is anybody alive at that time? A lot of youngsters in here, okay. There's a Y2K was this time when the world was supposed to end, Uh, and (laughs) Ramon is laughing (laughs) because he runs all the electronics. So I imagined during that time, because I saw t- countdown timers coming for Y2K when the world was going to end, and I thought it would be nice if each one of us got one of those at the time that we were born for when we, the time we had in our body, and you could wear it as a little lapel pin, and then it counts down. We'd probably interact with one another a little differently. It's like, oh, yeah, you only have six days. I'm, I'm not going to... Ask you a, a lot of uh, silly questions. You, you do your spiritual work. So we have a we have a lifespan, and uh, we can be in this body. And if we take up sadhana, everyone say sadhana, sadhana. means what? Yes, yeah, spiritual practice towards a goal, towards this ultimate goal. The humans are specifically designed for this. The human body is a a machine, it's a portal through which we can take up spiritual practice. According to the ancient wisdom literatures, uh, animals are uh, also, every animal should be respected. It's part of God also, but the soul within is the same as us, only they have a slightly different apparatus. They uh, have There's their own genius, no doubt, but it's that their perceptual horizon is much shorter than the human being is capable of. Therefore, they see more in terms of uh, day-to-day activities, how to build a little dam or a web so that they can feed their families. On Maslow's pyramid, uh, they're near the bottom. Once they fulfill those missions in their life of getting enough food, then the higher ideas about self-actualization are are not within their perceptual horizon. So this is the teaching of the Vedas, that human beings are specifically designed for that. So they say, do the Vedas, ancient wisdom literatures, that we have the power to improve ourselves. Don't think that you can't rise you can. Everyone can rise in due course of time. You can improve yourself. You just need two things. You need knowledge and practice. So practice is called what? Sadhana. And then the other word in Sanskrit, which we should uh, make popular here in Silicon Valley, is jnana. Everyone say jnana. jnana. Jnana means knowledge. So if you have these two things, you can improve yourself. So how can you improve? It's a good question. Here's a few basic tenets of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. Very basic. And I'll I'll read them out, and then we'll go over them individually and see if we can uh, put them to use. It comes under the category of be aware who you are. Everyone say that, please. Be aware who you are. Yeah, because it's possible to just be absorbed in our... Uh, external dealings in life and not even question who we are. Do you ever hear the statement an unexamined life is not worth living? You've heard that? Yeah. Okay, so that's what the Vedas say. That's what the Bhagavad Gita says also. Examine who you are. Find out who you are. And here are a few aspects of that. First of all, let's try this. I want you to close your eyes. And all kids in the world, don't make a noise. Thank you. Okay. Uh, first thing, eyes closed. Feel positively that you exist. Feel positively that you exist. Close your eyes and just feel positively that you exist. Next, be aware that you're aware. Be aware that you're aware. Next. Notice that you're guided by intelligence. Notice that you're guided by intelligence. Next. See your mind as a movie screen that's playing a movie about your life. See your mind as a movie screen that's playing a movie about your life. Okay, let's open our eyes. I'll just take a few reactions to how you felt. Was there any spontaneous combustion? See, this just came in from Washington, D.C. Even they're watching out there. Um, Okay, so how did it feel to take a moment, and that's all we took, was a moment to, number one, feel positively that we exist. Any of these elements? We'd like to hear, this is a little laboratory, how did you feel? You're living entities, you can report back. Yes? Oh, you're raising your hand for something. Yes, please.
1: Uh, I, I was feeling right away uh, very grateful and started noticing all the things that I already have
0: well That's powerful. You know, if you in the moment you can stop and Experience that feel positively exist and feel gratitude. That's a extremely um, Beneficial Emotion to have Did, Were you gonna say something? No, okay anybody else or is this too private? You don't want to share okay over here Monisha and the Ashraya Sharing means caring.
1: I was in the present moment, so I wasn't thinking about like my to-do list and the future.
0: What did she say? I need a translation because of the mask. She
1: wasn't thinking about the future.
0: She was what? She, she was, was feeling like she was in the present moment? Not thinking about her to-do list. Anything her to-do list. Not thinking about her? To-do list. To-do list. Yes, yeah. just to be in the moment. Feel positively that you exist. Ashaya Matava.
1: Yeah, I felt that, uh, that what I used to think as myself is something different from me. I was aware of what you used to think as Okay, myself. this is
0: an important point also. When we become aware of our own awareness and we become situated in the moment, we can also start observing our physical bodies. Oftentimes, I don't do this. I just think, I am my body, and this is a mistake. I'm not my body I'm a resident in the body temporarily just passing through at a certain point I was awarded this body by material nature I came out there was a few people standing over me and said you know hey you're here now Uh, might as well get used to it and here's your new name and then you know it's like by the way you got to go to kindergarten you're kidding me right Uh, then you know all these other things you have to do in relationship to the body it's all relationship to the body but we're not our bodies You can also objectify the body very easily from this position when you uh, become aware that you're pure awareness. You can notice that I have a hand. It's not that I am my hand. You can also notice that you have a belly. It's working. You're not the belly. You can also notice, as we did, your intelligence. And it's like a parent that's giving advice. I'm not my intelligence either. I'm waiting for it to offer me suggestions and say, do this, not that. So this way, this is an important centering device through which, as human beings, and we have the capability to do this, we become aware that we exist. We can become aware of our awareness. We can aware of our intelligence. And we can become aware of the mind. And notice that it's playing a movie, which is called our life situation. It's just situational. Is it a situational comedy? Known as a sitcom? For you? Not really, huh? <laughs> no, you're not laughing so hard about it. So uh, the we may experience horrors. We may uh, s- uh, see loss, gain, and so forth. These are taking place as if in a movie. Now, you've been to a movie before, and you'll notice that when you go and sit down, you get absorbed in the movie or a play. Uh, if if you watch a, a a really good drama, you get carried away from, by it. In fact, this was a, a, a um, technique that people used to use in order to experience the fact that they weren't their bodies. They'd go to plays, and they'd be, become so absorbed in the plot that they'd forget that they were their body. They'd actually have an out-of-body experience. This is one of the ways that ancients used to notice the difference between their bodies and their selves. So we can do that also by uh, just becoming aware of our own awareness and noticing how the mind is uh, showing us the situation of our lives. But that's a movie. That's going on uh, and we don't, just as we don't have to watch the movie uh, in the movie theater, you can decide anytime to get up and walk out and go like, hey, I have a separate existence. I don't have to cry in this movie today or uh, go through all the emotions that the movie's showing me. So this is um, a basis through which we can improve. First we have to become aware of our nature, our, of our existence and anyone can do it. It just takes a, a minute to to take a look and see, okay? Yes? Okay, next is Uh, These next uh, points, four points I'm going to give you, are bhakti yoga principles for deliberately improving your life. Bhakti yoga principles for deliberately improving your life. You still want to improve your lives? Okay, one, two, only two people. All right, okay. First one is cultivate humility. Somebody look up humility, please. And one of the statements that goes along with this mood of humility that you can practice is, I need help. Everyone say, I need help. (laughs) I need help. So if we admit that we need help, then and we keep this humble mood that I'm helpless, this is one of the moods of being in humility, is that I'm not the controller. And we admit I need help. This is a foundational point of the teachings of bhakti. You have to start from this point of humility. And humility, according to the, is it Webster's or the Apple Dictionary?
1: Um, etymology.
0: Oh, the etymological dictionary. Okay, go, go for it.
1: Humility is a noun from the early 14th century, quality of being humble, and from French, um, humility, modesty, sweetness, and from Latin, humility... Humilitatum, um, lowness, small stature, insignificance, baseness, littleness of mind. And in church Latin, meekness, from humilis, lowly, humble, literally on the ground.
0: Okay, from that we'll take out insignificant. And now there's a parallel phrase in the teachings of Bhakti called akinchana. Everyone say akinchana. Kinchana. Kinchana and akinchana. So. We just said akinshina, and the word kinshina means something. And akinshina, when you put a short A in front of the word, akinshina means nothing. I don't have anything. If you're in the state of akinshina, it means you have this sense that I'm helpless. I don't have anything. I need help. So that's the first principle. What's the first principle? Just say, I need help. I need help. Be humble and accept the principle of akinchana. Okay, there's going to be a quiz in a minute, so please pay attention. Okay, next one is accept guidance from experts. What's the second one? <laughs> yeah, if I'm the smartest one in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Find the room where the experts are. If you think, well, there's no experts, I'm the smartest guy on the planet, then there's no Room for improvement, you're already there, don't worry about it. But if you are humble and you say, I need help, then you have to start looking, who are the people that can help me? Is it's the fastest way in any discipline to improve yourself is find out where the experts are and then approach them in a very humble mood and say, can you help me, I need help. And if they're magnanimous, they'll say, yeah, you sit down here and I'm gonna tell you what to do. I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna show you how to improve your life. So what's the second principle? And what's the first one? I need help. OK, here's the third bhakti principle. Practice without fear of failure. Practice without fear of failure. Our work in the material world is necessary because we have to maintain the body, especially here in Silicon Valley. Other places, you know, just grow a little garden and you'll be OK. Uh, Silicon Valley, you got to work hard. So, <clears throat> all the hard work we put into everything, eventually, it'll slip through our hands. It's necessary. We have to do it, but keep in mind that whatever material assets we gain uh, are only temporary. They'll be here for today and they'll be gone tomorrow. However, whatever spiritual assets you develop means. Uh, uh, awareness of your higher consciousness, awareness of the source of your consciousness, Krishna, the supreme person, uh, and the the development of a taste for doing spiritual practice. This is called spiritual strength. When you get that, this is a permanent asset. Even if sometime you forget it for a little while, it'll still be there for you. It will come back. It's an asset you never lose. Sounds like an an advertisement for some uh, insurance product. But actually, this is... the real insurance. So practice without fear of failure. Uh, You should know for certain that when you uh, take these steps, there's no risk and all gain. Whereas in our material endeavors, although they're necessary and you have to work, it's all risk and no gain. Did I say it right? Spiritual practice, all gain, no risk. Material endeavors, although necessary, All risk, no gain. Is that is that a good algebraic expression? (laughs) Okay. And the next one is. This is under the. These are the four uh, uh, principles for Bhakti Yoga for deliberately improving your life. Next one is assume a practical service attitude. Assume assume a practical service attitude. Everyone say. (laughs) Yeah and. This is epitomized by the statement, how can I do good for others? How can I do good for others? Go ahead. How can I do good for others? Yes. So we are essentially eternal parts and parcels of Krishna. And our nature is, and our propensity is for service. We're happy when we're engaged in service. And I'll give you an example that uh, Srila Prabhupada gave frequently in order to make a thought bridge so we can remember the point. A little screw. If you find a tiny screw on the ground and try to sell it on eBay, eBay um, executives, you can let me know if this is true, uh, you're not gonna get much for it. How much is a screw? One tiny screw from the road. How much on eBay? 50 cents, that's a lot. I'm going to go looking for some. (laughs) All I need is to find one million of them. Uh, A tiny screw is worth barely anything. However, a tiny screw belongs somewhere in a machine. When it's in the machine and it's holding up its part of the service, it's very valuable. And you don't want it to fall out. You'll take care of it. Little screw, please stay in there. We love you. But as soon as the little screw falls out, it's like, eh, not worth the trouble trying to sell it on eBay, right? So we're like that. We're tiny, insignificant, humble. But when we're connected in service to the Supreme, to the complete whole, Krishna, then we become inestimably, that's a hard word to say, valuable, uh, like the screw when it's connected to the machine. So what connects us? Service we have a service connection to the supreme and this is bhakti. You can use your work. You can uh, uh, Engage in your family in service. You can use your anybody here have a car Okay, give it over. No, I'm just kidding Uh, You can use your car in service. Anybody here have money? Give it over now. I'm not kidding. No, I'm just kidding Uh, You can use your money in service and by the way uh, you, it, you, it's, a, it's a wise proposition to try to give it in service before it's taken from you, because someone's gonna come along and claim it. One of your cousins, he's sick, you're the only one in the family, he's got a lot of money, you gotta take care of him, there goes $20,000 right there. Uh, and you know, you thought you were gonna keep it. No, you're not. So the more you can engage it by connecting it to the Supreme, your car, your money, your family, then you'll feel like the screw that's connected to the machine. So this is one of the teachings, main teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. Don't throw anything away. You don't have to to abandon it. No going to a cave. Just keep everything engaged in its proper place. And when you do that, then you're called a sannyasi. Anybody here want to be a sannyasi? Say yes. yes. Yeah. So some people think of a sannyasi, you have to wear orange cloth and you have to carry a, a rod around and everything. But the word sannyas, if you break it down, actually, a nyas is, uh, means where you place something, to p- put it in the proper place. You know the, the saying, a place for everything and everything in its place? Yes, those of you who have organized homes, that you know this. So a, a place for everything and everything in its place, this is called nyas. You know where it goes. And it's just like with... Uh, when we put these marks of it, this is called a nyas, because it goes here, 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 here. And so, sang means everything. So, nyas, when you know where everything belongs, and you put it there, like you put the screw back in the machine, whatever it is, how our family, uh, body, everything, then you're in the state of sannyas, putting everything in its right place. See you can be, sen- everyone can be a sannyasi. Okay, so what are the four principles? I knew, Very good. We've got too many geniuses in here, this is not fair. Okay, number two? Yeah, whatever you said, I couldn't understand. So number three? <laughs> Correct, number four? Very good. <laughs> A plus for everybody okay so (laughs) now you've got some philosophical points and actually points of introspection that anyone can use take a minute every day to to think about who you are the unexamined life is not worth living don't just go on watching the movie but notice who you are now there's some practical application to this be humble and then uh, accept guidance from experts find an expert and say like I need help next one Practice without fear of failure. Remember, it's all gain, no risk. And number four, get a service attitude and then get connected to some service that, that, and l- learn how to put everything in its place, how it can be engaged in service. So far, so good? Okay, we have a few more for you. Here's some philosophical remedies for stress. Remedy means chikitsutam in Sanskrit. Chikitsutam means... There's a way in which you can overcome suffering by adjusting your consciousness. Say chikitsutam. Chikitsutam, yeah, it's a remedial, it's uh, like medical. Look up the word medical, because it has a a, a connotation that means uh, something. So chikitsutam. And here are a few of the philosophical remedies for, for stress. You are not the material gross or subtle coverings. Say, I am not the material gross or subtle coverings. I'm an atma that never dies. Both unhappiness and happiness come of their own accord. The world works in an ordered manner. You already are something. You needn't try so hard to become something. Okay, so uh, did you find medical? The word med, what does that mean?
1: The word med means to take appropriate measures.
0: To take appropriate measures. Medicine, medical, it means to take appropriate measures. So these help align us so that we can take appropriate measures. First of all, is to uh, embrace the concept that I'm not the body. And we've talked about that a little bit. And we've even experienced it and how easy it is to conceptualize that by objectifying the mind, the body, and the intelligence. The next one is to remember that uh, we never die. We're on a continuum as, as souls, as atmas. We're moving from one situation to the next. And I'll give you an example. If you've ever been in a Zoom meeting and they put you into little groups and then they break you out of the groups, that's what it's like to die. So the first time I was on the Bhakti community and they said, we're gonna break into groups. And I said, okay, which group am I gonna go to? And they said, you're going to all of them. So I didn't know where I was going or how. I was just sitting there on my Zoom room flying along, and I ended up in a room somewhere, like, hi everybody, how are you? And we talked for about four minutes, and all of a sudden, boop, I was in the next room. I was like, oh, I get it, I have no control over this. And I went into the next room, and I was talking to all the people there, and then uh, next room, next room, next room, every four minutes. Uh, And so when we came back into the big group, I I had this um, uncanny awareness that this is what I've been going through in this world again and again and again. I'm the same person just getting pushed into different rooms. Uh, So we're we're the steady, we're the actual conscious entity that never dies. You can't be killed, you can't be cut, you can't be dried up and then wither away. Uh, You can't be drowned either. The soul can exist anywhere, in any environment. It's anti-material or it's beyond the material uh, Elements it's categorically different. We are categorically different. And so this is a perspective that is is, uh, extremely important to keep uh, For relieving oneself of stress and now the next one is a little more controversial Unhappiness and happiness come of their own accord, but it's true. So I'm talking about material happiness or comfort certain level, uh, what we're going to get in the material world. And let me prove the point that happiness and unhappiness come of their own accord. Who here wakes up in the morning and asks for some kind of catastrophe or suffering to come into their life? Who does that prayer? Raise your hand. No takers? You wake up in the morning, oh, please let the IRS call today. <laughs> and We need an audit here. and whatever that might be that, uh, you know, disturbs my mind, uh, we try to avoid that. Does it ever come anyway? Yes. Yeah, we have consensus on that. And so the Srimad Bhagavatam says, in the same way that these uh, unwanted events come into our life, even though we try to ward them off, a horseshoe, Americans, they put up a horseshoe. It's good luck. It's supposed to keep... and uh, don't get me started in India, uh, how many how many talismans you have <laughs> to ward off <laughs> bad fortune and invite good fortune, but they're all over the place. You know, everything's got to be in its place. It still comes uh, of its own accord. So Narada Muni uses this as proof that... These are already dialed in on the material level. You're gonna get a certain amount of happiness and distress. Doesn't mean you don't work. You have to maintain your body and do the best you can with what you have, but there are limitations on the material side. So if you understand that and you be inventive, do the best you can for your material comforts, you'll have enough. And you don't have to worry too much about a huge accumulations. They'll come of their, their own accord, and they'll also be taken away on their, uh, on their own accord or by the, by the force of nature. But what Narda says is, do work hard for spiritual advancement. Okay, and it goes along with the next one, which is the world works in an ordered manner. Everything is exactly the way it should be. And this is mentioned in the Shriya Supanishad in the mantra, Om Purnam Adah Purnamidam. And it goes on from there. But it talks about Purnam, how everything's complete and perfect. You don't have to rearrange the world, but you just have to adjust your consciousness and connect it to the Supreme. And then you'll feel complete and whole. And the way that Śrīla Prabhupāda talks about it in his commentary to this verse that I just mentioned is that All forms of incompleteness are experienced due to incomplete knowledge of the complete whole. All forms of incompleteness are experienced due to incomplete knowledge of the complete whole. That's what we're trying to fill in here. That's why if we have a little knowledge and we understand how we're connected to the complete whole and a little practice to know how to actually connect to the complete whole, then we'll feel complete. And we'll see that the world is a complete place. It's everything's the way it should be. Okay, not, the, not that there aren't anomalies in the world and atrocities, but I'm saying that these are all taking place in an ordered fashion. It's not chaos. Okay, and finally I said you already are something. You needn't try so hard to become something. So oftentimes I'm, I'm always looking at the next thing. When I was in kindergarten, I admired the kids that were in second grade my brother was in second grade ahead of me and i was thinking god when am i going to be in second grade and then it was fifth grade and then, when am i going to be in junior high school how about high school yeah but you're not a senior get out of here you know so uh, uh, there's always something more that i'm endeavoring for in fact uh, when you um i took a picture at the airport when we were coming back by the way we were forced to go through o'hare airport Although I used to live in that airport, I don't recommend going through it as much as I used to. Um, Yeah, I took a picture of the sign. It says right here, 95% of air travelers are likely to visit a tourist attraction after learning about it at the airport hey, you're in transit, you're going somewhere else, and then you see this, like, go there. Everywhere we go, someone says, go somewhere else. There is nowhere else. You're only here, and when you get there, you're gonna be the same person, so you might as well work on yourself and not try to go somewhere else all the time, become something else. Of course, we try to improve ourselves, materially, spiritually, but be aware of the fact that you're already something so amazing that it's, it's not that you're incomplete, you're already complete, you just have to realize it. And then all your endeavors will make more sense. Always trying to fill in the gap by going to the mall, or I just need to get another degree, something, whatever it is, it doesn't complete us. It never does. We have to start from the inside. I've said a lot of stuff and it's all, we're almost out of time. I really ran down the clock. I'll take a couple of reflections, just two. Yes.
1: Hare krishna maharaj thank you for a wonderful class Maharaj, question on humility like i was reading the translation you know the ability to feeling importance so i have this uh, personal issue where uh, one is as, of course the physical aspect of you know offering done or or even in, in for that matter in any uh, society whether it's at work spiritual doing what is required uh, physically but mentally, the aspect of, you know, portraying myself as something very important in the whatever small group I'm associated with, that is a
0: habit well, which is not going. One thing you can try is the physical aspect of offering respects to others. So if, if you try it, let's give a demonstration, part, You show how to offer an obeisance. You move the drum so everyone can see you. Just... Uh, you know, with your head on the ground. Now this, well, that's pretty, that's like a stick. It's called dundavats. Now just, yeah, thank you. Put your head in your sho- like this. So th- there are some uh, groups, they do this, they stop uh, four or five times a day, and they, you know, wherever it is, on top of their taxi cab anywhere, They'll because this is, this is actually a spiritual practice. And the Vaishnavas do it, too anyone who's doing this uh, to God, they'll feel better about themselves. And if you realize that God's in everyone's heart and you offer this kind of respect, now don't try this at the office. They're not going <laughs> to appreciate it. When I was in Vrindavan uh, just recently, everyone gets it because you feel at home there because it's a spiritual environment. And if you, you offer obeisance like that to anyone, they'll, they'll appreciate it, the, the gesture. Uh, but you can do this also. This has become a more popular sign. Try this. Turn to somebody next to you and go like this. And realize there's a soul and God's next to the soul in the heart and offer obeisance. Do it again. Just keep doing it. And you'll feel better. Really. It's okay to do this. In fact, it's one of the it's one of the teachings Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita, Namaskaru. He says, offer your obeisances like this. It's so simple. Bhakti is simple. I said it was simple in the beginning, right? That's how simple it is. So if you if you don't if you can't intellectualize humility just do it and then it'll come it'll come into your mind okay one more quick question or point yes Hare Krishna thank you Maharaj for the nice class
1: I just have one question we talked about the three gunas earlier
0: Uh, does sattva includes working impetus does it include working impetus not so much that's why you have have a little rajas Uh, in the right proportion in order to work. But when you engage the propensity to work in Krishna's service, it becomes transcendentalized. Thank you. Thank you very much. You also need a little tamas too, otherwise you can't get to sleep at night. (laughs) Thank you very much for coming, everybody. Hare Krishna.